Amen. So church, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about revival. Um, and we've heard Pastor Hartley, our beautiful pastor, and, 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 and Dr. Rob Carmen, and we've heard Pastor Natalie talk about revival. And it's a huge thing. I never really thought about revival much. It was just one of those things that you just think, yes, we'll pray for revival. But over the last couple of weeks, I've been really looking at revival and what it is and what it means. And, and I just realized that really the world right now, that's what we need right now. We really need right now. It's an interesting topic. Um, we, we need revival to flow out of the church and into the city. And, it, and our own hearts, it's necessary that our own hearts have spiritual renewal in our own spirits so that we can, in many ways, contain what God is going to do. Because it's the fire in our hearts that sustains us as it flows out from this place. And we really need to, to be thinking about our own hearts and our own spirit, what keeps us set apart, what keeps us in that spiritual place, in that heavenly place. And we're responsible. We're responsible. And we pray every week. Every week we get up here and we pray for Sydney to be a city for Christ. We read the word of God time and time again, how cities and nations experienced a move of God and people were added to the kingdom of God in their thousands. And this week I was sort of challenged, you know, God, how does this happen? How does this happen? And it's not something that is in our power, but it's when the power of God comes down on us. If we're all on fire for God, then God will just pour out his spirit. You know, and, and I've been thinking about our personal re renewal. And there is no formula except that I know that I'm responsible for my own personal renewal. I am responsible for the fire of God in my own heart. And I am the one that's challenged about that. And I was listening to Pastor Phil's, um, I don't know if anyone listens on um, his Friday morning devotion. And just listening on what he's saying about revival and how to get that spiritual renewal. And Pastor Phil was sort of saying, you know, you really need to press in. You need to be in church, of course. You need to serve. When you start giving, that flow starts coming into you. As you pour out, it gets poured in. And that fire in your heart starts to burn. And do you know what? Can I just say, I have experienced this myself. I have experienced this. I have always served in the house of God. It's been my great pleasure and my joy to do that. But this, in just in this last recent months, when the sound came into my heart that there are people coming that need me to serve, that there are people coming that I need to get out of my comfort zone, I need to take up more time, I need to drop something else because God wants me to serve. Can I just say there was an explosion in my heart that nothing could contain. Nothing could contain that. And I knew that this is the kingdom of heaven. I knew in my heart that this is the kingdom of God on the earth. And the fire in my heart, the, it wasn't even a fire. It was like an explosion and it's burning. And I pray that for every single one of us that we would find the God thing, the, the thing that God wants to use to ignite our hearts, that we might feel that explosion in our own hearts for God, for his kingdom, and for the things of God. You know what? I was actually pouring out more, yet being energized more. That I couldn't even sleep, even though you think, oh, yes, you're tired, you've done a lot. No, I couldn't even sleep because of the fire in my soul for the things that God put in my heart. So I would be up at 5 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, and I would think, God, I need to sleep. And then I'd say, no, I need to pray. I need to pray. I don't need to sleep. I need to pray. God, what are you saying? God, what are you doing? Why is this fire not going out? I need to pray. 
and I found myself praying for people that I did not even know, for children that I'd never held, for places I'd never been to. And that's the fire of God. That's what God does. And sometimes we can be running things, serving. We could be on the deacon team or on the hospitality team or on, the, on any team in, in the church. Yet our own hearts is kind of, there's no fire in there anymore. It's a bit of a smolder. It's just smoldering. There's a bit of smoke, but there's no more fire. And I think we have to really double check ourselves because God, when, he's, when he speaks in the Bible, I mean, in Revelations 2, he was speaking to the church in Ephesus, but I believe that he could speak to the individual in the same way. And what he said to that church was, you're doing so well. You are serving me. The church is growing. You're doing everything right. You're standing up for the things of God, for justice. You're doing all the, the, the most wonderful things. And I'm so glad you're doing that. But in Revelations 2:4, he says to the church, and he could be saying to me and to you, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. And I want us to be challenged this morning. I want us to have a bit of a, a self-checking time this morning. In other words, he was saying, you're not in love with me anymore the way you used to be when you first met me. And do you remember when you first met your spouse or the person that you're dating at the moment? I mean, I still remember. I know it was quite a while ago. <laughs> But I still remember, we, you know, we'd fight over who was going to hang up first. Who's, who's done that? Now it's, oh, look, I'm at work. You know, can, we'll talk later. It's so different. Don't call me when I'm at work. I'm busy. I mean, I, I mean, sorry, but that's how it gets after 30 years on both ends. Are we like that with God? Have we lost our first love with God? I remember the days and... and you know, it's really funny. I, I come from a Lebanese background, if you don't know me, and we're not really allowed to date. We're not allowed to go out on dates. So when I was young, maybe now things have changed after all those years, but when I was young, Mick and I were not allowed to go on a date one-on-one. -on -one. We were allowed to go to the church discos then and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Our Lady of Lebanon Church, if anyone wants to know. So we were not allowed to date. That was just a given, and I understood, and I followed that protocol in my family. But Mick and I, we wanted to communicate. We had this love inside and I just wanted to speak with him. There were no mobile phones, there was no Facebook, there was no messengers and all this, there was nothing. It was on the phone and if my dad got the phone first, someone would hang up. That's how it was. So what Mick and I would do was, my bedroom was at the front of the house, right? And across from my parents' house, there's this really big park, like a football field. And on the other side of the house is Mick's auntie's house. So Mick would visit his auntie, and the code was, <laughs> let me tell you what we used to do. So if I was home and I could answer the phone, I would go in my bedroom and I'd flick the light switch three or four times. <laughs> and so Mick, <laughs> don't know if you remember, hun. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> So Mick on the other end would see, oh, she's flicking the light switch. The parents aren't near the phone I can call. So he'd got on the phone and he'd ring and I'd rush to the phone and I'd answer the phone. That's how we communicated. We had that fire and that passion in our hearts. We just wanted to, to talk. We wanted to be together and nothing was going to stop us. Could we do that with God, church? Are we like that with God? Are we just doing anything to communicate are we doing anything to kind of catch that? Are we, are we trying 
that whole thing, doesn't matter what happens around us, doesn't matter how we're feeling, is that fire in there trying to reach out to God? I really want to challenge us. Do you remember when you first gave your heart to Jesus? Nothing in the world could bother you. I was like that. When I first gave my life to Jesus, I felt like I could do anything. And, you know, it was that fire that came with my first love that I was able to live with Mick those years that he wasn't with the Lord. But the fire inside sustained me. The kingdom of heaven on the inside of me sustained me through those years. And we need to be in that place. We need to be in that place. The fire on the inside of me at that time was all-consuming. There is nothing that anybody could do to take that away. And I was the first person that came to Jesus in my whole family. And I kept it in my heart and God sustained me through those years until there was a huge revival in my own family. And I want to encourage us. You don't know. You don't know what will happen with the fire that God puts on the inside of you. And there's, a, there's another aspect. There's personal revival and then there's the church revival. And I mean... The Old Testament is full of stories of revival. And some theologians say that there was like 14 revivals in the history of the Old Testament. I'm not sure. There's kind of an argument about that. But it doesn't really matter how many there are. It's so clear how God's people forgot their first love. When they got what they wanted from God, they started to just slowly drift away and just subtly start doing things and worshipping other gods and, and just drifting away from God altogether because the fire in their hearts grew dim. They forgot to tell their children and then the next generation walked away and constant stories about Israel moving away from God and then coming back to God. Constant stories. You know, in the story of Nineveh and Jonah, King Hezekiah, Hosea, all these things in the Bible, all these stories in the Bible are telling us about Israel moving away and then coming back. But as I was reading and as I was thinking, you know, what's the common theme in these stories? What, what's the thing that usually happens? And I, and I was looking at that and I, I found three things that I thought were common in the whole going away and coming back, going away and coming back. So when, when Israel found out that, that they'd done something wrong, the first thing that happens, and I think that could be for us too, as a church and as an individual, the first thing was repentance. The first thing that happened before the revival was repentance. And I think we don't talk about repentance much in the church. That yes, we, we can have wrong attitudes that we need to repent of. We can speak in ways that are not godly that we need to repent of. There are things that are subtle in our lives, in our hearts, thoughts, sometimes thoughts towards people coming from other nations, sometimes thoughts towards our neighbour, sometimes just thoughts that we have to repent of. And I think God wants a bride when he comes back, unblemished, not one little thing. And I think repentance is key to seeing revival in our lives and in the, in the life of the church. When, king, when the king of Nineveh heard the word that was brought from Jonah, this is what it says in the book of Jonah, chapter 3, verse 6. It says, then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth 
and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? I love that. The king, imagine if the leaders of this nation stopped. Imagine if we just stopped right where we are, stop. And these, these leaders, this king put his throne away. He put away his authority, he put away who he was and he submitted to God. He said, I am wrong. And he led the whole nation. He led the whole nation. Imagine if one leader in this city was to repent what would happen to our nation. And I think even in our own homes, in our own lives, it's so important that revival will come when we realize what we have done and we stand and we stand before God and say, God, we repent. That was amazing that a king should, it says he took off his robe. He took off who he thought he was, his position. He took it off and he bowed down and he repented. And I think repentance is so important. Billy Graham, the great evangelist, what he says is, God cannot judge a man in repentance or a man in Christ. God cannot judge when we come and we, we repent. That's what Billy, I, I respect Billy Graham. If you're in repentance, God cannot judge you. If you're in Christ Jesus, then God cannot judge you because it's against his own word. And his word does not change. His heart does not change towards us. He loves us, and that's his desire. And the second thing I, I saw that was kind of um, a key theme flowing through those stories is unity, unity. A.W. Tozer says in his preachings, and he's a famous theologian, he says, unity precedes blessing. The Bible says unity precedes blessings that God commands a blessing when we are all in unity. And the first revival after the resurrection, I know we've looked at this verse over the last few weeks, but it's so important that we recognize the unity that was there on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, when the whole day of Pentecost had come, they were all with one accord and in one place. They were with one accord in one place. And I see that one accord over us, church. Brace yourselves. I see that one accord over this church. And when it says one accord, the Greek word is homothymodon, which means with one mind, with one accord, with one passion. Their heart had the same desire. They were waiting there to receive from God. They were waiting in that room, in that upper room. They were waiting for that day that God promised. That he said, go and wait for me in Jerusalem, and I'm going to send something to you. They were waiting they were sitting there and they were waiting and their heart had the same desire. They had no criticism, no division, no arguments, nothing. They were all as one, as we ought to be as one. Are you as one in the family and at home? I was challenged about this. We want to be blessed in our homes. We want to be blessed at work. Unity, unity is so important in all that we do. It's really important that we really recognize that. And the third thing I recognized in that in, the, in these revivals in the Bible is prayer. Prayer. Prayer achieves so many things. Prayer achieves so many things. And it is a key to many, many things, especially in revival. Bringing God's presence, crying out to him, seeking his face, it moves the heart of God. 
It moves the heart of God. In Acts chapter 1, it says in verse 14, when they had all gotten together, they were in the upper room and they were all together in one accord. And it says in verse 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So they were all together praying. And that would have been about 10 days of prayer. They were in the upper room in chapter 1. And then chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came down. And they were about 120, the Bible says. Can you imagine? I was kind of measuring this to Silverwater. We're about 600 people as members or maybe more now at Silverwater. Imagine in the prayer meeting, they were only 120 Imagine if we all came in that same way to the prayer meeting and every single one of us was on our face crying out to God at the prayer meeting. I am almost convinced it would last much longer than one hour. Imagine what will happen in this city in unity and in prayer. And if we repented and we came together to those prayer meetings, do we really desire that that there is revival in this city? Do we really desire that? I, I challenge us all to come and to pray. We all need to pray. I first gave my life to Jesus in a little Baptist church in Tilopia, which is not far from here. And I remember that there was a revival going on on the earth in those days. And our pastor, a mighty man of God, he wanted to go and see what would happen in a revival. He wanted to go and catch something. He wanted to bring revival into the church. So he said, I'm going to go over to, and it was in Canada at the time, I'm going to go over to Canada and I'm going to see what they're doing. I'm going to see what it's like. I want to taste revival and I want to come to our church and I want to pray for revival in our church. So he got on a plane and off he went. He went over to Canada. Now, I I was just, I had just given my life to Jesus then and I was coming to church, but I wasn't serving because I had little kids and Mick wasn't at church in those days. But I was listening and I was hearing what he was saying. And when he came back, the things that he said to us, he said, People were on the floor praying and seeking God at prayer meetings that went on for days and days and days and days. And he said that there were services, we have services on a Sunday, they were having services six days a week. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. Are we seeking that? I want to challenge us. Are we seeking that? Is that what we want to see in this city? And so many people were affected by that. People like um, Heidi Baker visited. People like Bill Johnson and Nikki Gumbel, and they all went to see what was happening. And when our pastor came back, he changed from being, that church changed from being a Baptist church and became a Pentecostal church. That had never happened in the history of the Baptist churches. And they still talk about it today, that that minister caught the fire and wanted to see the power of revival and the Holy Spirit in his church. So he ended up changing. Isn't that amazing what God can do? And we need that kind of prayer meeting here. If we want Sydney and we want revival in this city, we need to do that. (laughs) Praise God. Now, I was reading up on what what it might look like for us at Silverwater, because I'm kind of planning for us guys. I'm planning for us, guys. This is what it's going to look like. I was reading up on the great revivalist who was kind of credited with the second awakening in America, and his name is Charles Finney, and how it worked through his ministry. And I just want to read to you a little bit about what happened. 
It says, then the shopkeepers closed their businesses, posting notices urging people to attend Finney's meetings. Reportedly, the population of the town increased by two-thirds during the revival, but crime stopped by two-thirds over the same time. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I just want to, let's just imagine. Let's imagine that Woolworths over there at Newington puts a big sign up at the meeting at C3 Silverwater, closed for business. Meet you there. Imagine if Gloria Jean said, we're having coffee at the glass house in C3 Silverwater, closed for business. Can you imagine that? That's what I imagine. That's what I imagine. And even Bill Johnson, I kind of heard about his experiences with revival and he went to, to South America to see what revival looked like over there. And he was sort of saying that, that there was this revival meeting happening in Argentina and, and the buses were driving along the street. And as, as, the, as the preacher was preaching the word and, and doing, you know, just the Holy Spirit was coming in and moving among people, that people in buses coming alongside were having encounters with God that they ended up having to send leaders to stand every few hundred meters on the streets so the buses when that happened could sort of stop and the leaders could go up and pray for people and do what had to be done can you imagine Silverwater Road I was just thinking can you imagine Silverwater Road and we have to put our leaders out there so that when people stop they don't know what's going on we're going in there and praying for people I can see that I can see that I keep thinking about Silverwater. I love Silverwater. It's time, church. It is time. It is time. You know, when the believers were in the upper room, the Bible says there was a sound of a rushing wind and tongues of fire. Now, wind and fire, who knows? We're in Australia. Wind and fire is absolutely dangerous. Imagine if there is something to burn, if there is something that's growing on the soil to burn that is dangerous. If the soul of your heart, if your land, if your ground in your heart is fertile, if it's fertile, do you have growth coming out of that place in your heart? Do you have foliage in there? Is it rich and thick? I feel the soil of this church is rich. It is fertile. It is full of trees and plants. And, you know, this church is planting trees in other people's land. That's what's happening right here. And there is a forest for the things of God right here. And I believe for the church that there is a wind coming and a fire of the Holy Spirit that's going to ignite this place and go out from here. And the wind of the Holy Spirit is going to blow and this city is going to catch fire. And I'm going to speak that because I am already starting to see things stirred up. I'm seeing things being stirred up. And every week... Every single week now. And this is what I, I've been at this church for 15 years. I had been praying that there are people in our community that we don't have to ring up and invite to church because they're ringing us up and they're telling us, we want to come. Can you help us to get there? And you know what? That is happening right now. We don't have buses big enough anymore. That is what's happening right now. So I believe we need to awaken. Charles Finley wrote, when sinners are careless and stupid, excuse me, sorry sinners, I didn't say this, and sinking into hell unconcerned, it is time the church should bestir themselves. It is as much the duty of the church to awake as it is for the firemen to awake when a fire breaks out in the night in a great city. And that's us, church. We need to stir ourselves up.
We need to stir ourselves up. And you know, in my own family, I felt like we had to be stirred up. And when my husband came to the Lord, there was a revival in our own home, in our own family. And I believe that for all of us, that whether it's the church as a body or whether it's you as an individual in your own circumstance, in your own life, that God is stirring us up and there will be revival in our families. It ended up that my 63-year-old mother then came to the Lord and my father and, and mixed mother and all these people that, were, that had kind of thought that they're on the down now, that life is kind of, it's, it's on the other side of the mountain now, but they came to Jesus and they served and they did what they could and I'm believing that for every single one of us. When that rush of wind comes in Acts 2.2, it was the sound of the rush of wind that attracted the people in the city. And it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house. It's the sound of the Holy Spirit that's going to come, and people are going to hear that sound, and they're going to want to come in and find out where God is. And that sound drew people. It drew people. And I'm praying that this sound will be in this house, in this season. And that people are going to be drawn to the house of God and it's happening, church. It's already happening. It's already happening. Psalm 104.4 says, He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. That's now, church. The wind of the Holy Spirit is going to send out a great message. And the fire of the Holy Spirit is going to serve us and it is going to come on every single person. We're going to pray that for this city and I pray that heaven is open and the soil of our hearts, that the land of this church is ignited with a consuming fire, that nothing will put it out in this city. And it's set alight and consumed with the fire of heaven. And as the band comes up, I really want to challenge us this morning. I really want to spend time just declaring that fire over people's hearts. And I'm going to ask people to come to the front because it starts with you and me. We need to check the soil of our hearts. We need to till the ground in our hearts. It's written in Hosea, till the fallow ground in your heart. And so this morning, I'm going to make an invitation for people to come up. And I'm going to get the team to pray that the fire of the Holy Spirit comes on you. And that you experience the Spirit of God that you never, in a way you never, ever have before. Because there is always more. He never runs out. The river never runs dry. There is always more in God. But we need to really seek God for that. And we really want to pray for people this morning because I want to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit because the day is coming when people will come to this church because they want to, not because of any other reason, because the Spirit of God is here. And we want to see, I want to see it in my lifetime. You guys might be young, but I want to see it in my lifetime. I want to see it in my lifetime. And I know that God is doing things right now. I'm seeing it right now. So I'm going to invite people to come up. I'm going to leave this, I'm going to ask God to just take over this whole place and that his spirit will just rain down.